Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you today? Doing fine. All doing, right. Doing fine. Excellent. Our First Amendment is not doing well. No, it's under attack. It's under attack. It's sick. And, and uh, you've heard my argument before, you know, all the amendments are good. The Constitution thrust is good. Uh, Second Amendment is especially good. But I've argued that uh, the most important thing we hang on to is the right to speak out and, uh, and express ourselves and try to change people's minds voluntarily. Uh, so this is very, very important. But today we hear a lot of people getting up and saying uh, good things about the First Amendment, but they also think there has to be a supervisor because they believe in the truth uh, but they will decide what is true, yeah. and uh, this is this is a you know it would be compatible with the Constitution that you have a right to a right to do that. But they sort of come along and they draw a line, uh, but don't express your opinion. You know you can't have an yeah. opinion on anything, and so now now it's it's really deteriorated ever since the uh, the hate movement has occurred in the 19 or year 2016 and I, I, I do that seriously because I think hate has driven so much of what's been going on and this whole thing driven at, at Trump uh, not that he's an easy person to defend yeah but he uh, he he did, didn't follow the status quo didn't follow the rules and uh, he really defied the people who who want to establish what truth really is so, so he, he obeys and knows how to use the First Amendment, uh, all of that, that has turned into a hate, hate episode, and, which is continuous. They can't stand it that he actually won you know, and was president, so their whole goal, their whole thing driven has been the destruction of the First Amendment lying through their teeth and making sure that he's not even, I mean, if they had had the way, if his enemies had their way, they would not, they've tried to make sure that he wasn't even allowed to run yeah. for the presidency. So it's it's a mess. We're a far cry from uh, what the First Amendment is supposed to, supposed to mean. And now we have all these court, court cases going on. And when I look at them, they're, they're so bad, uh, just like the lockdown was bad, and this uh, polygenderism is so bad yeah. that we're breaking through on that, and people are waking up. So I, I don't know whether the people are going to wake up soon enough, but I know there's a lot of people who are sick and tired of the attack by the Department of uh, Justice and, uh, and also by the FBI. I never thought that people would be that uh, willing to criticize and, 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 and you know, Try to try to rein in the FBI, but that's what's going to be necessary. But right now, we're in the midst of a major, major thing occurring occurring in Washington today. This whole idea that it is a fair trial when 98% of the people hate his guts yeah. and put it in Washington, and so much stuff, everything goes to Washington. So probably any case in the country that have some justification for t oh, you violated a, a, a national law, Washington. We'll try you there. That's where that's where you have freedom of speech and uh, we will make sure you don't get into any trouble. We'll tell you elect exactly what you're allowed to say in print. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, this indictment <clears throat> is absolutely insane. And we have some people that we respect that are talking about that. But this Jack Smith is obviously, so obviously a crazed partisan. When you watch him making the announcement about the indictment, and we have a clip of it, you can see that he's a crazed partisan. 
He's the equivalent of someone coming out with five masks on during COVID and a shield and a <laughs> ventilator. This is how crazy the guy looks. It's literally insane. And, and we're going to kind of base uh, what we're saying today on two articles that our friend Jonathan Turley wrote. Because as we know, number one, he's no fan of Trump whatsoever. And he'll let you know that in no uncertain terms. Um, he has some views of January 6th that we may not even share because he's, he does think that it was a lot more serious than certainly I believe, I, I guess you do. But he says, nevertheless, this indictment is crazy. I'm going to read a little bit of something. And to show how bad it is, even the Daily Beast, which hates Trump with a passion, they published Turley's assessment. And that says a lot. And so here's the crux of it. Um, uh, and I'm reading from Turley's piece in The Beast. He says, while the indictment recognizes that politicians are protected in making false statements in elections, <coughs> he proceeds to charge Trump for doing precisely that in claiming that the 2020 elections were stolen. Smith simply charged Trump, did not really believe it, therefore it's a fraud. So he didn't believe when he said it was stolen, he just said it, so therefore it's fraud. And Turley goes on, the implications of this filing were captured on CNN, where host Caitlin Collins explained, quote, the First Amendment does not allow the President of the United States to go and claim there was fraud and when he was told there was not fraud, end quote. And Turley continues, that is, of course, entirely wrong. Just because you are told something doesn't mean you have to believe it or that you cannot publicly contradict what you have been told. And I think that explains everything. Because he contradicted what he was told, i.e. the election was completely, completely clear, because he contradicted that, he therefore must go to jail. It's crazy. But there'll be the supervisors if there's a, if they made a mistake and overstepped their bound. There'll be supervisors there to guide us toward you know the correct position. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and it, it's a there, there were a few pe a few honest people trying to enforce such a silly rule. Uh, everything that everything that is done, what people are saying, we nobody really knows what Donald Trump was thinking. Yeah, you know it's subjective. And then even if even if he sincerely believed it, uh, he ought to be allowed to say it. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, it, it is it is re really very bad. If they get away with this, this is this is going to be really uh, there's some there's been some dire predictions. And I, I agree with uh, w with the uh, danger of what is going on. But uh, I'm still hopeful that uh, when things get this bad, a few people will wake up. But if you say that the people who may be sympathetic for Trump for various reasons, at least they're on the side of saying the people who would like to put him in jail and uh, make sure he can't even run and we will destroy him. Uh, there's a lot of people who disagree with that. And like you point out, even some liberals will break loose yeah. and that'll, that'll be what, what's going to happen. Well, let's get a little bit of a flavor of this Jack Smith character. Uh, let's play one minute of this. This is his announcement of the <clears throat> indictment. Just pay attention to his demeanor uh, and also his characterization of January 6th. Because this reminds me of the last gasp of the January 6th extremists. Let's listen to him. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I encourage everyone to read it in full. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, 
was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. The men and women of law enforcement... We'll probably take it down. I think, I mean, this does this not sound like a crazed partisan? And I think to emphasize this, and this is someone I know that you respect a lot, uh, and even when we don't always agree with him, Alan Dershowitz, there's no question he's an extremely intelligent man, a brilliant man, a brilliant scholar. Well, he took this apart. In this next clip, I'm going to uh, ask our friend in the back to put up. Uh, let's play a minute and 14 seconds of Dershowitz explaining and characterizing how absurd... Uh, the how absurd this indictment is. You might want to put that in your ear, Dr. Paul, because here's Dershowitz, if we can get the first one minute and 14 seconds of this. So I've now read the indictment very, very carefully and very thoroughly. It is one of the strangest documents I've ever read. And to, to show you, to demonstrate how open-ended and broad this indictment is, I'm only doing this to illustrate. I'm not going to say it's going to happen or it should happen, just to illustrate. Under the terms of this indictment, Jack Smith, the prosecutor, could be indicted. Let me explain why. The core of the indictment is that Donald Trump lied to the public, that he lied, he just lied. But Jack Smith lied. In his indictment, he outlines the speech that John, Donald Trump made on January 6th. It's a very important part of the indictment but he deliberately willfully and with malice leaves out the key words he doctors the speech he leaves out the fact that donald trump said i want you to protest peacefully and patriotically peacefully and patriotically those are the two words that bring him within the first amendment now you can argue about can that cut it there <clears throat> the great point that dershowitz makes that smith himself lied and mischaracterized Trump's <laughs> speech and could be indicted himself and should be indicted himself. Yeah, you know, a lot of people now are questioning j jurisdiction. Maybe there's a, a, a lot to debate about how the jurisdiction always up, ends up in uh, Washington. And uh, if they ever got that to the Supreme Court, maybe they could get a favorable uh, ruling. But uh, the constitutions have been pretty clear and the traditions have been pretty clear that uh, if there have been breaking of the law, uh, maybe uh, the president was caught speeding or something like that, you don't, you, you don't haul them off to civil courts and all. And, uh, but if it's very, very serious and the country agrees it's serious and uh, it's bipartisan and they have to deal with this guy, he's really, really in trouble. Uh, the the uh, the process that the founders gave us. It's it's my opinion that that's what impeachment is all about. Yeah. And, and I keep thinking, wouldn't it be ironic that 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 became a prevailing understanding that uh, that you deal with it through the impeachment. Then when you impeach him, then the legal system comes. If he's a, he's been accused of murder, the, the legal system comes, you know, and and de deals with it. But I I think won't it be ironic if uh, they said, well, he was doing very bad things, insurrection and all of this. 
this stuff. So we had to do it. We we did. We did exactly as you said. We impeached him, and then we did it again. Yeah, and then it was rejected. Yeah. So maybe the rejection of the proper the process will go a long way to saying, look, they followed it. And the answer was, this is not impeachable, and it's hardly an excuse to turn it over to the Washington courts. It becomes such a farce. Yeah. Well, let's look at a couple of the uh, quotes from his USA Today article, I mean Jonathan Turley, because I think they're important. Go to the next one. Now, this is the article. Indicting Trump for knowingly false statements about the election sets U.S. on a dangerous path, is what Turley wrote yesterday. Go to the next one. Here is a quote from that article. He makes a good point. This complaint is based largely on statements that are protected under the First Amendment. It would eviscerate free speech and could allow the government to arrest those who are accused of spreading disinformation in elections. Uh, that is so critical because we talked through the entire COVID area, era. We were accused of spreading disinformation. Senator Paul was spreading disinformation. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was spreading disinformation. It all turned out to be right. Under this precedent, not only could they have their reputations destroyed, they could be literally put in prison. But, you know, this is very, very serious, but some serious things were going on with COVID, too. When you think about the people who wanted to challenge uh, those individuals in government on what you could say about the, the virus, and uh, literally to the point where if you were so old-fashioned, and I'm in that category about uh, what I learned in medical school about natural immunity, and uh, many, many parents throughout history knew about natural immunity, that they, they they allowed, they, uh, they, they then said, well, natural immunity, if you say it, you're done. And people did, they lost their jobs. So that opens up the door. You know, uh, if, if Trump can be penalized, could they go back and everybody else that uh, spouted the same lies and the same op opinion? Yeah. It should be the word opinion, same opinions and, and what was going on. Uh, and, and I was also thinking about uh, what, if, what about sorting out the truth and things like the assassination of, of uh, JFK? You, you know, there, there was a lot of lies and things told at the beginning. It was almost universal. We knew exactly what happened. But now the 80 percent of the American people know that is not the way it was. But back in th those days, there was a little bit more tolerance of it. Not much, but a little more tolerance. Now there's now if this thing goes through, there's zero tolerance of people expressing their opinion and it could spread. So even if uh, even if it's just one person or after anybody who was a friend of so and so, even his attorneys might become, uh, you know, the victims, too, that they can't it it just is it's a it's a cancer is, yeah. is what's going on here it is. that's a, a great word for it yeah it's a great word for it well you know polls have shown consistently that more than half of americans believe that the elections in 2020 were not pristine you know that's an understatement and certainly among republicans the percentage who believe there was something wrong with those elections was very very high so the question is first you jail trump for saying that and next, are you going to jail all of Trump's supporters? Are you going to jail half the country <laughs> because they don't believe the election was perfect? 
That sounds like what they're trying to tell us. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. And, and that just solidifies, if it's allowed to happen, it solidifies their dictatorship uh, because they have to control the species. This is the first thing people do. Yes, of course, they take guns you know, prior to this because somebody might use a gun against the government, but they also, they also have to control the speech. And this is why they are so eager to detail to us about what's going on with uh, social media. Yeah. I mean, that, and that gets a little more complicated, too, on where the lines are drawn. But uh, they, they, they'll want control, and they, even though they've been caught, uh, you know, doing nasty things, there's still a tremendous amount of power on who's going to establish opinion, uh, you know, through the, through the social media. Yes. Well, let's go back to Turley for a second. Uh, if we go to that next clip, because here's a little bit more about the indictment. And he breaks it down. He says, Smith indicted Trump because the now former president, quote, this is according to the indictment, spread lies that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that he had actually won, end quote. And here's Turley again. The special counsel also says Trump, quote, rep repeated and widely disseminated the lies to make his knowingly false claims appear legitimate, create an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger and erode public faith in the administration of the election. And then if you go to the next one, Turley goes on to say, well, hold on a minute. He says, how do you prove legally that Trump didn't believe, put that next one up, please. Trump didn't believe his false claims. And even if you can prove that Trump lied, how do you legally distinguish his falsehoods? How do you legally, I think you need to go back one. Even if you can prove that he lied, how do you legally distinguish his falsehoods from the lies that other political leaders have told <laughs> over the years? When in politics does making a false statement cross the line into criminal behavior? Turley continues, those are questions Smith and his team must answer in court and ones that Trump's defense team are likely to raise. Well, what if we had this authority on our side and we say, yeah, now we can make sure they have the proper economic policy. Yeah. All the economic policy you've been promoting, you know, it's not true. It's false. It's a lie. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you, you, of course, that's ridiculous. But in a way, you know, if you're going to try to regulate everything they said, but you, you approach that a little bit differently. But here or now, that, they're not going to allow the market to help sort this out at all, or the Constitution. Uh, there is, yeah, it just has to be an authoritarian approach, demagoguing it, yeah. and lying, cheating, and stealing. <laughs> yeah, exactly what they're doing. Well, I'll, I'll finish Turley's piece uh, by, by pointing out that, going back to the beginning, where he also characterizes Smith, he doesn't use the word unhinged, but he certainly <laughs> talks about him sounding, quote, more like a pundit than a prosecutor, if you can put that next one up. He says, the special counsel gave an impassioned account of the Capitol Hill riot that made it sound like Trump was in charge with incitement. He wasn't, nor was he charged with seditious conspiracy despite his second impeachment on those charges. That goes back to what you said. So basically, I think what Smith is trying to do is conflate this whole narrative about the January 6th insurrection and somehow do a bait and switch that somehow, wink, wink, he was involved in it without having the ability to legally charge him with it. It's, it seems like uh, the Republicans are going to have to have some really, really good attorneys to get some of this uh, 
adjudicated at a higher level yeah. because this is, uh, you know, how many times have you heard them say on the various issues, two or three of the issues, this has never been done before. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not in the Constitution. It's not even in the process. Nobody did it. You know, taking taking a case that is, is a civil case and moving it to a criminal case uh, in a different district. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that is, that should be enough to stir some people up, but it it will it will not really materialize a, a true resistance. It would have to involve more of the honest Democrats. They're saying, you know, enough is enough. Yeah, and there there are there are. I bet you there's some out there. I, first thing to you we should watch for are people who are a little quieter. Yeah, you know, that's true. <laughs> because they're starting. Hey, this is getting really tough to defend uh, what they've been doing. Yeah, I'm getting some heat back in my district. On on this that would be the key thing. <laughs> well here I just want to do one last thing if you'll indulge me Dr. Paul because I think this is a really excellent piece of analysis and it's done by someone from a competing political party and this is the chairman of the Libertarian Party Angela McArdle who we both know and I think she did a great tweet on this uh, she points out quote many past candidates including presidential nominee Al Gore and Hillary Clinton who in 2016 called Trump an illegitimate president who stole the election, these have routinely refused to concede elections and forced tedious recounts involving Supreme Court decisions. Uh, McArdle continues, the people bringing these indictments seek to play kingmaker outside of the electoral process, knocking their opponents out of races in the most depraved and unscrupulous way possible. Unless Trump took clearly illegal action, Fighting to win an election isn't a crime. What a stark contrast to the way President Biden is being treated now regarding the accusations leveled against him with Burisma Holdings. Very wow. good statement. That Very is good. good. There's an improvement around that group. That, absolutely. <laughs> and just to back up what she said, let's remember what Hillary Clinton said. Uh, she said the elections were fake and they were stolen, but she's not in jail right now. Uh, despite what Trump promised, but put up that, cue up that last clip. We're going to play that whole clip uh, if we can. Uh, not the last, the second to the last clip, sorry. with Hillary. There we go. Here's Hillary. Let's listen to what Hillary's saying. I'm going to put your uh, earphone in. I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Whoa. So I've that sounds like an insurrection, Dr. Oh, Paul. I wonder if they're going to file charges. <laughs> there, there's a hearing going on in Washington right now. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to be, be including <laughs> her. Well, yeah, she said it She said it a hundred times, you know, and she should be allowed to say it. She should be allowed to believe it. Yeah, but there is one clip out there by the conservative station that lists six people like that and yeah. have said the same thing yeah. when their election. Yeah, I can go back to my first election. You want to talk about elections being very much That's manipulated. Yeah. You would be in jail, too. Everybody <laughs> oh, yeah. would go to jail. It's too, too late, Ron. That statute of limitation. You can't talk about what they did to you. <laughs> well, our, our second and last story today is something that's extremely disturbing. And this is an American, a Chilean-American uh, journalist. Uh, he holds an American passport. He was reporting on the Ukraine war from Kharkov in eastern Ukraine. Uh, and he had a different take. His take was, I would say, similar. I listened to his broadcast. His take was, I would say, similar to Colonel McGregor, similar to Scott Ritter, uh, similar to those who offered a different perspective than the mainstream perspective 
Ukraine is winning, Ukraine is right, Ukraine has done nothing wrong, and Russia is completely a thousand percent to blame. That is the sort of the tone of his, and we've seen in many, many alternative uh, uh, journalists. Well, what happened to Gonzalo Lira was that he was arrested last year by the Ukrainian secret police and held for a while. Then he was released, but he was released under house arrest. Now, he continued to make his videos and continued to report on the war. You might say that was perhaps not a wi the wisest choice given the circumstances, but we've been told that this is our democratic partner. They have our values. So he kept doing it, and he was arrested again several weeks ago, and he disappeared for several weeks. He finally resurfaced in a very dramatic way, Dr. Paul, a couple of days ago. He made a 25-tweet thread where he detailed everything that happened to him while he was being held, including torture, uh, in very great detail. And he decided he was going to skip his court date because he had been subject to torture and try to sneak out of the country into Hungary and ask for asylum. Uh, it seems as if he was not successful in doing that and may have been picked up again by the Ukrainians. The other day we mentioned that uh, they might be setting up to uh, put some blame on Ukraine, uh, you know, for some for the failure of the war. Although, yes, they have a lot, <laughs> a lot of blame to go with. So, so does NATO, and uh, both sides will have have uh, room for blame. But uh, it, the the uh, uh, they they could be blamed. But right right now, uh, this uh, this information, if it gets out. It brings out, you know, when you talk about this, it wasn't really, it still isn't going to, exactly where some of the leadership in Ukraine, uh, what what their political positions were over the decades, mm. many, many years, and they're not exactly libertarians. Yeah. You know? So if more of that came out, maybe, but but I don't think, I'm not, hold, I'm not holding my breath on that because uh, people, People will, uh, you know, st still paint it. And right now, uh, it looks like there was even an announcement this morning about uh, Biden. Oh, no, I was going to say Biden wanting to save even more money. No, no, he wants to send it to Taiwan. Oh, yeah. yeah his addition <laughs> money to Taiwan. It's just money, Dr. Paul. Yeah, <laughs> print it up. <laughs> but here's a little bit more from the uh, Zero Hedge write-up of what's happened to Gonzalo. Uh, he said, Chilean-American blogger Gonzalo Lira, who was initially detained by Ukrainian intelligence in May for, quote, pro-Russia sympathies, has reportedly been arrested as he was trying to make his way out of Ukraine into Hungary. His crime? Publishing YouTube videos critical of the war and the U.S.-Kiev-NATO stance. So he had an opinion in Ukraine of the war that was not the official opinion, and therefore he was arrested. And here's a couple of tweets from his very long thread that came out when he resurfaced, I believe, on Monday. He says, I'm posting this thread just as I'm getting close to the border checkpoint. I'm also posting videos on the two channels I have access to. If you don't hear from me in the next 12 hours, well, I'm on my way to a labor camp. Wish me luck. And Elon Musk commented, saying troubling posts. And what did he find troubling? Well, go to the next one. This is some details that Gonzalo Lira uh, put out on his imprisonment. He said... Once inside the Sizo prison, I was tortured in two of the four cells I was in by the other prisoners. Guards never beat prisoners. They outsourced torture to the other prisoners. One prisoner actually apologized to me, telling me he had no choice. He wasn't lying. I understood. He goes on to say, I got a cracked rib in my first cell, but it wasn't too bad. 
The worst stretch was in my fourth cell. From 1 p.m. on June 21st until 7 p.m. the next day, 30 hours, I was beaten and sleep deprived. My arms twisted the wrong way around at the shoulders and generally beaten pretty bad. So he's beat up in a Ukrainian prison for the crime of journalism. And here's the kicker, Dr. Paul. The U.S. government, despite admitting that they know about the situation, has not lifted a finger for this American citizen. Put on that last clip and play the whole one because uh, this was a gentleman that you and I met when we were in D.C. in January. Very good young journalist uh, who had the courage to ask the State Department spokesman about it. If he can do that last. Here we go. This is, a, this is great. You want to put your, uh, there we go. Cosgrove with the gray zone. So back in May, I asked you about Gonzalo Lira. He was the U.S. citizen arrested in Ukraine for posting dissident content online. And you told me the State Department was aware of his arrest in May. And we learned last night through a series of tweets by him uh, that he had been tortured in the Ukrainian prison. And he was now on a motorcycle with a broken rib trying to flee to the Hungarian border. And so I'm wondering, you know, if this is true, given the State Department knew of his arrest and his detention, how has this been allowed to occur? We have a U.S. citizen being arrested, being detained and perhaps tortured in the prison of one of our strongest allies. Well, you, you lost me with the perhaps and the if this is true. I think I'd want to verify those reports before I commented on it. Alex, go State ahead. Department Alex, work. Go ahead. Is the State Department I, investigating? I, I just want to verify anything before I comment. Go ahead, Alex. Okay. So rather than being outraged, rather of saying, we're going to get to the bottom of this, no American should be treated that way overseas, he says, I, basically, I don't believe you, is what he said. You know, the family, after his first arrest in May, had a, a comment about what was going on, and uh, the family and supporters called uh, it a kangaroo court. Yeah. And, uh, and I got to thinking, yeah, well, you know, uh, America's a great place, and we have a great constitution, and, and it, there was a time when the judicial system was reasonable, and uh, we were supposed to be setting an example. Uh, on, on what, how you should try people. But unfortunately, it looks like we have made it, maybe influence or gave them assurances. Oh, that's about the way we do it too. We, we have a kangaroo court coup too and put up all these things. But you have to be careful on that, of course, because you could get canceled by <laughs> talking like that. <laughs> well, I just wanted to throw this one out because um, and it seems like it's unrelated, but as we say, they could definitely have called. We've given them $150 billion. They could have said, hey, this is an American over here. He's a journalist. You may not like what he's reporting, but stop torturing him at least, please. Um, we have some leverage, but they didn't intervene for his release. What they did do, if we can put that in that last clip up, and I just want to show the contrast between what the State Department does for an American versus someone overseas. Here is a statement from President Biden on the occasion of Niger's Independence Day. This is a statement of the Biden administration demanding the release of their president who has been overthrown recently in a coup. The merits of that are absolutely irrelevant to our situation. It is that the White House will intervene for some guy over in Niger, but they won't lift a finger for an American who's being tortured. That's disgusting. He's, over, he's thinking more about solidification of the empire, and there's a little weak spot here. We better buckle down and protect our, protect yeah. our power. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to close out, Dr. Paul. And uh, if you watched our show together, uh, yesterday with Colonel Doug McGregor, I think you'll agree that it was a terrific show. He's promised that when he speaks at our conference next month, he's going to talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I can't wait to hear that. You're going to want to hear it, too, and listen to him live. 
I will put a link in here where you can get your tickets, co see Doug McGregor, Dr. Paul, and the rest of our great speakers live in D.C. on September 2nd. It's going to be a real blast, and you will not want to miss it. Back to you, Dr. Very Paul. Very good. You know, uh, the story, uh, the sad story of Lyra and the tortures, it's horrible. Of course, uh, our participation in that was when the uh, country was supercharged up about terrorism, you know, after 9-11, and we had the secret prisons and all. And some people say that, uh, you know, there's still that going on. We just don't torture people out in the open or they, there's no knowledge of it. And, uh, of course, uh, there are the secret prisons. I believe that to be the case, but uh, it, there's very little written about that. But, you know, uh, the lyrics case shouldn't uh, shouldn't surprise us of our neglect because uh, you know the, the extreme of look at look at what they've done to uh, Assange yeah. you know if they can do that to Assange uh, that they can do it to anybody it's buckle down obey the law and we will tell you what's right you can have your freedom of speech all you want as long as we approve your speech I can think of a better way. I would suggest a lot of times I'd be asked at a conference where I was a speaker, they might say, well, what do we do, what do we do? I said, it's a mess, it's big, it's very difficult, and uh, people ought to be educated on what a free society is all about. But in the, in the meantime, what we could do is uh, to try to work our way out, and even in the case that we were talking about today on, on Trump, we ought to read the Constitution. It's helpful. It's not the absolute end of to all end because there's a way the Constitution gets changed. But the guidelines for now are we're supposed to follow. And you know what always and didn't baffle me but annoyed me was I looked around and I thought, they're doing this outrageous unconstitutional war that's going on, unconstitutional money, all all these things going on. And I thought why in the world they've taken an oath of office and I was looking around I, I think maybe I could find about six people who thought we should take it seriously I mean I was told point blank that part the part of the Constitution that's supposed to guide it that's old-fashioned and that's the way they act and that's how it happens and the court system right now is one of the biggest nemesis we have we have to deal with so uh, I think though the, there's started a lot of people waking up and that's a, a responsibility we assume that we will do our best to wake people up on what's really going on because the problems aren't complicated it's the use of force illegal force and telling people how to live and how to run their lives and how to run the economy and how to get along with other countries and uh, it means one simple rule don't ever use force to do this offensive force to go and say you will do it our way uh, no we won't get to that answer people have to have to come around to thinking that the non-aggression principle is worth thinking about I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report Please come back soon.